Welcome to episode 127. We're Finn and Emma, and today we wanted to open the show a little bit differently than we normally do. We wanted to voice our love and support for everyone out there who is suffering from and affected by the systemic racism, hate, and violence. Yeah, we are admittedly two of the whitest people on the planet. That's true. And it's very true. <laughs> and racial discrimination is not something that we have ever had to deal with. And at the same time, we do have a platform and we have a voice and being silent is being complicit. And that's that's not who we are. Nope. Um, this isn't a Democrat versus Republican issue. This is everybody against racism issue. And that is something that is something that we are very, very that we that we believe really strongly in and yeah. and that that black lives do matter. They do. And over the last few months, it may seem like we don't have a lot of control over everything that happens in our life these days. Any of us. Right. Not just us two. <laughs> but one thing we do have control over is how we react to situations and our own actions. So we wanted to spread the message of finding your own voice and standing up for what's right, being kind and supporting and loving each other, regardless of race or, or anything else that, that makes us different. Like, that's the thing that makes us all human. And we should be embracing those things and using them to our advantage. We should be doing better than what we are right now. Yeah. And so, again, thank you for listening to this. We just wanted to tell everybody out there to be kind, take care of each other. And you can make a difference, even if it's just in your small bubble. Yes. And with that, we are going to cut over to a humorous soundbite of Chad talking about his early dates with Perla and her mom, and we will take it as normal from there. Thank you again for listening. We'll see you on the other side. And so dating was interesting because they have a lot of rules around dating. And so one of which is that you always have to have a chaperone with you. So on all of our dates her mom would come with us and watch us to make sure that we didn't hold hands. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy! This week, we have an interview today. With fact, Perla and Chad. Yeah. And as you might listen to this, you will realize that Chad talks a lot. But don't worry, he was not talking over Perla. He actually gave her quite not a lot of opportunities to jump in, but she was being... Or she was shy on this episode. Which is funny because at the end she talks about how outgoing she is and how much of an extrovert she is. But I think <laughs> she was very, very nervous. And so what, what did get edited out was a lot of opportunities where Chad was saying, do you want to take this question? Do you want this one? And she was kept deferring. So I think I think she was starstruck by me personally, but I didn't, didn't want to say it. Not so. by me? But anyway, <laughs> just glossed right over that. As you probably caught at the little soundbite at the beginning, they grew up in some very extreme religious backgrounds and they have come through 
a lot together. And this is a powerful episode. And and it really doesn't just focus on re- on religion at all. It's a lot of the communication and the the shame and the jealousy that they've worked through. And that they they honestly they break it down really really well how they've worked through that so this is a valuable interview yes we're really excited to get it out there but we have a few quick announcements super exciting announcements we had our first virtual meet and greet last week last Thursday and it went really well we had over twenty five people sign on and it was great meeting everyone and and we had nothing but great feedback from it so. Our next virtual meet and greet is... We're doing it again. Actually, people wanted us to do it every week. And and we we said, (laughs) pump the brakes, folks. We're going to do it every month. To start with, for sure. (laughs) Doing the show every week is a lot of work anyway. Uh, But we have our next virtual meet and greet on June 25th. It's a Thursday night from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, all of the information, if you want to join or sign up, can be found at normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Go there, click on either the meet and greet tab or the community tab at the top. Either way, I'll get you there. You can sign up and learn more about it. We are looking forward to seeing you. And next up, we have our next Patreon video live Q&A on June 17th at 9 p.m. Eastern and 9 p.m. Pacific. You can join either or both of the calls. And we also have a women's group call coming up for $5 and up patrons on June 16th. So for more information, go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, and click on the Patreon button. Actually, or actually go to the, on the community, community tab. Somebody doesn't know her way around our new website I very do. well. I do. I just am so used to saying go to the Patreon button, which you can. There's still a Patreon button different places in the blog posts. Yeah. Anyway, don't listen to Emma. She, yes, listen to She's me. still learning the new website. Jesus. Go check it out. I helped build it. <sighs> <sighs> anyway, one final announcement that we are also super excited about. We're really excited this week. Yes. You nodded, but they couldn't yeah, see Yeah, I realized that. <laughs> yes, we are. So we're super excited. So we have a new sponsor for the show. And we're actually really excited about this because we have talked about other dating sites in the past, but this one is uh, moving in a direction of progressive, inclusive, and diversity. And we are super excited about that. So what is it, Finn? I know. I just <laughs> They're on the edge of their seats. <laughs> Uh, Alt Playground. So they are, a again, a dating website for non-monogamous people, not just swingers, not just polyamorous people, but everybody in the open community. Yeah, they've been around for about 20 years, but mostly focused on the East Coast, and they are rolling out and trying to go national. So... With we're, that, we're jumping on board. Right. And we're also jumping on board because they we're interested in having a long-term partnership with them. Yeah. For us, it's important to not, we're not just here to sell the next thing that somebody offers us to sell. But again, for us, this one was, it's a long-term partnership. And honestly, the diversity and inclusion was huge for us. I mean, that's yeah. the, the cornerstone of our show. And we just can't get enough of it. So we're we're really excited to be working with them to help build this new community. Yeah. Well, it's, it's awesome. not new, but helping build expand, it west. Heading westward. Expand. Westward. <laughs> All right. We have talked enough. Let's go talk to Chad and Perla. We hope you enjoy it. And we will see you on the other side. Bye, everyone. Nope. Not bye, everyone. <laughs> bye, everyone. Emma's <laughs> 
<laughs> Emma won't be here on the other side. You know, I was thinking that the other thing we've got to mention is that our website's brand new. And so if you haven't seen it lately, go check it out. There's a brand new logo and a whole new website. Yeah. And when we're done with this, Emma's going to go study it so she can send you to the Shut right Shut up. Tabs. Oh, my God. You are an asshole. Okay. Let's go talk to Chad and Perla. Well, welcome, Chad and Perla. We actually met you too. That's Perla and Chad. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> Not to correct you early on. I'm just throwing it out there. You want me to start over? No. I, this is on the record. This is on the record. Perla and Chad. We met you at one of our East Coast meet and greets last fall, which was amazing. And we're super excited to have you come on the show. So thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Glad to be here. Yeah. Can we start off by having you both introduce yourselves a little bit? Maybe if you want to share approximate ages, location, if you're comfortable sharing, and how long you've been together, maybe? Yeah. So I'm Chad, 28. I live in South Philly. I am Perla, 29. I live in Northeast Philly. We've been together. We started dating in fall, winter of 2013. Okay. So been together quite a while. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. And are you guys still dating? Are you married? Are you, I guess maybe what does the high level dynamic look like? And then we'll, we'll dissect it piece by piece, organ by organ. Wow, that's graphic. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. It doesn't have an easy answer. So we did get married. We were monogamous for a few years. And then since then, our dynamic has changed a lot. And we're still married, but we don't release as much act like we're married much more of like still dating as well as dating other people. Right. Because if people were listening, they'll notice you don't actually live together right now. Yes. So that's something oh. that I'm assuming maybe you did at one point and just found that this might be better for you, which we can dig into this more later. Yes. That is, that is the case. We used we did live together and this is very recent, like two months ago. Oh, okay. Not living together. Okay. Well, and so I guess we kind of now know, sort of what it looks like you're married, but more like you're dating and you're dating other people and you've started to really explore, I guess. Are you willing to take us back in time? You said you were monogamous for quite a while and maybe how you got on this path and what that looked like early on for you two? Sure. So we grew up uh, very religious, both of us. We were both raised in a very religious cult, a very fundamentalist Baptist cult. And that was most of our lives growing up. Perla is from Chicago originally. Her family are from Chicago. And there's a big church in this cult out there as well as a college. I was from Philly originally. And my pastor told me, yeah, you should, you know, go to this college and be a pastor. And so I thought that was what I was going to do. So I went to this seminary basically. And while I was there, eventually met Perla and we got along really well and we eventually got married because you know in this very strict cult there's a you can't do a whole lot right let's put it that the way. expectation that marriage needs to come pretty soon and to go yeah. much further yeah and so dating was interesting because they have a lot of rules around dating and so one of which is that you always have to have a chaperone with you so on all of our dates, her mom would come with us and watch us to make sure that we didn't hold hands because that would have been the worst thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> that is one of the cardinal sins. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I just, 
I'm being nosy for a second. Would you go out to dinner with each other and your mom would just sit at the table with you? So it'd be like the three of you? Sometimes. Sometimes she would sit like a table away or something like that, (laughs) but always like pretty close and always well within eyesight. So did you have to buy her dinner as well, Chad? Or what was the financial burden like on that one? Just curious. (laughs) I know. We're like... It was a little expensive. I'll definitely say that. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least now when you go on a date with two women, there's at least uh, a reason, <laughs> reason to pay for both. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> okay. So you were, you grew up super religious and obviously you got married pretty early. It sounds like. And then I guess. And I'm, I'm assuming like during this whole time, the dating and getting married and stuff, it all felt pretty like comfortable to both of you right because that's what you're that's what you grew up with that's what you're supposed to do so neither one of you were questioning that this wasn't the right path no we weren't really questioning any of that really at the time well i grew up in church since i was eight and yeah that's what i was supposed to do go to this college find a guy for me be a virgin until i got married yeah all that stuff and so i was a very good girl. I was, I follow rules all the time. Mm-hmm. Not until I met Chad. <laughs> that well, it sounds like you followed the rules with Chad for a little while, like with the, for with a little your mom, while your mom coming on dates. Yeah. Yeah. I started doubting a lot of start being suffocated with all the rules, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. I was saying then with dating, you know, at the time Pearl was still in college and she was also working like three jobs and I wasn't in college at the time, but I was still working. And like, for the most part, our schedules didn't line up like hardly at all. And so the idea of trying to find a time when both of us were available and her mom was available was not easy. So sometimes we would try to have dates where her mom wasn't there. And so those had to be much more, much more secretive. Yeah. And we had to be so thankful that my mom was a chaperone to us because that she was available to us. Yeah. So we'll have our dates. That's how. And at this point, Perla, did you live with them? I did live with my mom at that point. My dad had left my mom and I was supporting her. Okay. That's why I was doing three jobs. And I had my little sister at 16. So yes, I was living with them. Yeah. So I guess it makes it even, it's hard to sneak out, right? <laughs> and to go for a date. Oh, yeah. Especially in the family I was, like I had to tell them where I was going, how long I was going. My mom was very, she worries a lot. And especially she put so much burden into a, a daughter in the Mexican culture. She was very traditional that the daughter stays at their parents' house until she gets married. Right. So a lot of obstacles for for you two to be able to have, I would say, somewhat of a semblance of a normal relationship early on. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I guess then you got married and I'm assuming at that point you moved out and you two were doing, again, the traditional we're married doing that route. And then I guess, how did this conversation of non-monogamy start to poke up? (sighs) So we moved back to Philly shortly after we got married and we started changing a few, a few of our beliefs. They started to evolve a little bit, not very much and not right away, but it's more like went from 
crazy extreme fundamentalists to like less extreme fundamentalists. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that we did is we started just talking a little bit more about sex and what we enjoyed and things like that. And it started out very slowly. And then eventually we just like, you know, started to just admit when like we found someone else attractive, you know, which the way we were raised, obviously you can't, you know, you can't talk about anything like that. And if you find someone else attractive, that's like a horrible thing. You're a terrible person, you know, all like that. But we just started like just being honest, like, yeah, you know what? This person is really hot. And we would just talk about that. And eventually after a couple of years, this was a couple of years in, you know, eventually kind of like figured out that Pearl is also attracted to women. And, you know, it was the way we were raised that just wasn't like an option at all. Right. I would imagine like Perla, that just never even crossed your mind. Yes, correct. Growing up, I felt that I liked women, but I didn't know what that was. I liked watching them and especially in the girls locker room in high school. But like, I never interacted. I never act on it. Right. Right. So yeah. And then when we figured that out, I was like, okay, so you're bisexual. I want to figure out how I can help you with this and support you in this because the way we were raised, it was very extremely homophobic. So like, you know how like you'll see in like a movie or a TV show, you'll see this like crazy preacher and you think, you know, Oh, clearly no one actually believes that stuff or no one really acts like that. No, that's exactly what, what it was like the, you know, the crazy preacher screaming, yelling, hollering, you know, everyone who's gay is going to hell. Like that's how we grew up. And so it was very much a different, a very different thing for us. We didn't know anything about, about the LGBT community. We didn't know anything about any of that. And so I wanted to learn and be able to support Pearl in that. So I turned to what I always turn to, which is podcasts. That's how I learn everything. And so I looked for a bisexual podcast and that's how I found the by the by podcast with Bradford and Angela. Oh, wow. Cool. That was like our beginning of it. And then I was like, Oh, okay. They're both bisexual. This is interesting. And then they mentioned swinging and at first I was like, that's crazy. But then I was like, you know what? Maybe that's not so crazy. And I told Pearl about it. And she's like, that's crazy. And then later <laughs> she's like, maybe that's not so crazy. <laughs> well, I was going to say, when, when I asked that question originally, Pearl, you had kind of a, a audible sigh of like, oh boy, this story is how we found it. And I was curious on your side, like, how did that, when he brings this back and he's like, yeah, I found podcasts on bisexuality and swinging and all of these other things, was that overwhelming? Yeah, overwhelming. Yes, it was. And uh, to back up a little bit, I do remember that one time, while growing up religious and growing up the way I did, just any sexual stuff we never talked about. I never had my sex talk. I never knew how to, what to expect. So when we were dating, he will always like, hey, watch this YouTube video on sex and disposition and like, tell me what you think and stuff like that. Also, I remember when we got married, I came from a conference and I was, I'm working really hard with my therapist, but I was very jealous. I was a very jealous person. I do admit that. Um, I was very possessive because of the way I grew up. I saw that pattern in my parents. So I will watch everything and ask chat, like, okay, his phone, like what he's seeing. Cause I was in my mind, back in my mind, he's cheating or he might be cheating. So I need to 
I need to find out for myself before I find out from somewhere else. So one time I saw him watching porn and I was like, wow, I guess I'm not good enough for me. Like, that's not good enough for me. Like, I'm not good enough for him. And so that was very devastating for me, especially coming from a, like a church conference, like trying to be this kind of wife, this kind of woman of God, blah, blah, blah. I'm failing as a wife because of that's how they taught me. So that was in the back of my mind. We moved on from that, but that was still back of my mind until I brought it up again. And I asked them, so why is it that you watch porn? And we had this conversation, like, why is it that you like, what does it do for, does for you? You know, I was curious because I never watched porn. I, I heard guys who watch porn are perverts. They are horrible people right? Horrible guys. So I was like, I don't want to, I want to find out what it is. It's not like, okay, let's not talk about it. Let's, let's actually talk about it. Let's face this, this obstacle. So we did. And he, he will tell me like, so do you fantasize about any women in the street? What do you think? Because there's times that I will catch him looking at women and like, that's how much jealous and obsessed was. I was like controlling And I am not very proud of that, but that helped me, helped us to the path that we are now. And now I'm like, you know what? Hey, we're happy. And, and I'm just like, I've grown so much. We have grown so much since being non-monogamous, but yes, it, it was really hard for me. Yeah. Well, and so how did you two move? And first of all, thank you for sharing because that's it's not an easy thing to. No, well, and you're pushing against all of those norms that you grew up with. And I mean, both not of even you norms, were. like threats, right? Threat. I mean, yeah, if you're gay, yeah. you're going to hell. It's you're going to, you know, that's. Yeah. That's... <laughs> I mean, pushing against that and trying to actually learn and, and understand and then uh, like evolve your thinking, that, that's huge. And so I don't want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like dismiss that at all. No. And so like the fact that you were very jealous and controlling and you said you're not very proud of that, but looking back, that was kind of the way you were raised in a lot of in a in a sense. So, you know, you can't necessarily blame you for being that way, but it sounds like you've come so far and that's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, she's definitely come a long way. And yeah, a lot of that was that, you know, with her parents, her dad cheated on her mom numerous times throughout her childhood. And, you know, that definitely leaves some like kind of like an emotional scarring of sorts. And so like, obviously I wasn't thrilled about being accused of cheating constantly, but I did understand, you know, why that was and where that was coming from. Yeah. And so like looking back on it, obviously there's so many things that were not good or healthy about our relationship at the time. So it's hard to say what we should have done differently, but like, you know, the only thing I knew to do was just to try and be as open as I could be. So like, I always just said, here, look at my phone, whatever you want to see, like I'm not doing anything. Obviously it was like, you know, a little frustrating when, you know, to constantly be like, who are you talking to? Who are you texting? It's like texting my boss, like, here, look, I'll show you. Like, but you know, we worked through that and you know, it's definitely not, wasn't an easy road, but we've definitely, you know, work through that and come out much better from it. 
Yeah. Like going from that, from the super, super strict religious to the super jealous, the, the a lot of the things that you're talking about are, I mean, those are huge things to overcome to try to open a relationship. And how did you ultimately like have that discussion and start taking those steps to make it happen? It all started with Bradford and Angela. Yeah. It's their <laughs> fault. It really is. Um, so we started listening to it together and we just thought, you know, this is really interesting. This is really cool. This could be pretty fun. And during that time, a lot of our religious beliefs were changing a lot, mostly because we both had had a lot of questions that never really had gotten answered. We were just told, oh, just believe more, just believe harder. So eventually we started really like exploring these things on our own and, you know, learning and trying to find the actual answers outside of the small collection of things that you're allowed to look at, like reading books that were like from other religious teachers or non-religious teachers, which was not really allowed or condoned. And, you know, things started changing a lot in that aspect. And then part of it also was, you know, the 2016 election changed a lot when we saw how people who would always say that, you know, integrity is important and trust is important and moral purity is important. When you saw those people full force, you know, endorse Trump for president, it just really just showed us the huge amount of hypocrisy. In addition to the other, you know, hypocritical things we've seen, you know, from especially our particular brand of Christianity, our views on that probably would have been very different if we had grown up in a more, you know, liberal mainline denomination. But the way we grew up, you know, they're very, you know, if you make, if you have a moral failing, then you should be, you know, you can't really be trusted again. And then to take someone who brags about rape and sexual assault and brags about cheating on their spouse, like, and then saying, yes, this is the best person. This is, and what they would often say is not just, this is our best option, but they would say, this is, you know, God's choice for us. You know, you can't, you can't on one hand say that, you know, integrity is important and moral purity is important. And then on the other hand, say, you know, this guy is, you know, God's choice for us. He's God's, you know, God's servant. And so that just really showed us that there's not always the same rules for everyone. And people don't always mean exactly what they say they mean. You know, if someone says that they're going to support their political beliefs, then all of a sudden they're a great person. Yeah, right, right. So it was Donald Trump and Bradford and Angela. We'll just lump the three of them yeah. together. Um, I'm sure they'll love that association. Yeah, yeah. I hope I I hope they pick this episode to listen to. Right. <laughs> yeah, we started talking about talking more about swinging and those ideas, and so we eventually decided to try it. And there's a swingers club in our in our city. There's a couple actually. We went to the one, and we talked about going for a while. And we're sometimes on board, sometimes not as on board. You know, we wanted to really check this thing out before we really dove in. So we read a lot of books and talked about it and talked about it more and said, well, you know, how would you feel if this happened? How would you feel if that happened? And, you know, after several months of that, it was on our third wedding anniversary that we, we weren't able to do, you know, anything big that, you know, that year. So we just stayed in a, a hotel still in Philly, but just, on a different side of the city and it was really close to the swingers club. And so we decided to go 
it was like nothing we'd ever seen or experienced before. (laughs) And it was overwhelming and exciting. And we didn't know what to do. We're very, we tend to be a little bit more introverted. Me, especially, I'm an extremely quiet person and I don't like talking and I'm not good at talking. (laughs) I like talking. I just don't, (laughs) let's put it that way. You know, at that time, like afraid to talk to anyone. So we were like, we would try to talk to people here or there, but like we were both like really nervous and it didn't really work with most of the people. We eventually found a, you know, a couple who talked to us and talked to them for a few hours. And then our plan for that night was just to go and see what it's like, just check it out, talk to some people. And that was going to be the end of it. After a couple hours talking to this one couple, they're like, Hey, would you like to come back to a room and just watch each other? You know, they knew it was our first time. They didn't want to be pushed or anything. And so I was thinking like, okay, but Pearl is probably not going to want to. But before I could even ask her, she's like, yeah, we should do it. (laughs) So we go back and, you know, we start, you start off just watching each other. And then, you know, Pearl really wanted to kiss the other girl, you know, so they started doing that. And then we ended up doing some soft swapping and, you know, ended that for the night. And it was it was great and it was wonderful and a bit of a, you know, overwhelming experience going from, yeah, we'll just check it out to, you know, ended up soft swapping. Yeah. Well, and I was curious and not to like keep singling you out for but you are kind of, I don't want to say you, you know, one person's the gas and one person's the break, but you know, Chad was the pervert looking at porn and he was kind of the driver of a lot of these things. I say that facetiously, obviously. So when, when you guys are going to go to a club for the first time, like what are you, maybe for both of you guys, like, can you take us through like what that was like coming from where you came to, we're getting in the car to drive to a swinger club. That was so uh, three months preparation. <laughs> yes. It was a lot of thinking, a lot of deciding that, you know, if monogamy hasn't been working for us, then why not try it? I'm a risk taker. So I was like, wait, let's do it. But it took three months for me to say, okay, let's do it. I was still nervous and I wanted it to be all out that night. I was like, I'm tired of rules. I'm tired of holding back and not talking about sex. This is my first time going to a sex club. Like, let's do it. So I... I went all out. I was just like, yeah, let's, it was hard at first, but then it was like really fun. Awesome. And that next morning or the next couple of days, how did both of you feel? It was so exciting. Yeah. We were like, this is awesome. Like we couldn't stop talking about it. I was like, yes, let's do it. And then later I had this regret, like guilt, that religious guilt like, uh, fuck, what am I doing? <laughs> right. Like at that moment, like I was like, yeah, I don't care. I don't care what my parent will say. I don't care what the Bible says. I don't care about what God says. Because at that time I've been doubting God myself. My parents haven't been very good parents to me. And so they pretend to be religious and godly, I guess you can say but their actions were the opposite towards me. 
So that doubted me with God. I was like, I don't care what God says. Like, it's my life. You know, I'm young. I'm free. And let's do this. But yeah, later it came to like, it came on me, like it dawned on me. I'm like, fuck, what did I do? Like, I'm into girls. I just kiss a girl. Like, why? Yeah. Sometimes I get anxiety attacks, panic attacks about when I want to kiss a girl or I think I want to hold someone's hand, a girl's hand, or just want to see her naked. Like, it's still that guilt, like Catholic guilt that people say. Yeah, for me, it's deeper than that. (laughs) But yeah, it wasn't easy. Yeah. Well, and to be fair, it's only been a few years, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the way that, you know, growing up, you know, especially for her, that whenever something looked like it might be, you know, anything that could be misinterpreted as anything gay was like really, really not just frowned upon, but like outwardly attacked. So like if two girls were like sitting too close together, someone might say something about them and then they would get brought in front of a disciplinary committee and saying, Hey, we were noticed you guys are really close together, you know, and, you know, interrogate them as if they're like having a full on relationship. Right. And then if you were suspected of being gay, they would send you to rehab. Yeah. Like just the same, you know, they have this, their own, not even a 12 step program. They have their own like rehab program. That's not even as good as 12 step. It's just basically read the Bible and pray more and Jesus will fix everything. Yeah. And you won't be gay anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awful. (laughs) That's awful. You know, she had to always be careful. Like, you know, you can't be too close to a girl. You can't touch a girl, you know, because she might think that you're gay and come on to you and coming on to her and then she'll report you and things like that. Right. Right. And so after that first night, I mean, you're battling all these things, these outside pressures and guilts and how did you two sort of move forward? Like, what did the trajectory look like from first night at the swing club to maybe to roughly where you are now? So after that first night, we went back probably a month or two later, but didn't end up playing with him. When we talked to some people, but it seemed like we couldn't really form a connection. And we did a few more times and again, never you know did anything with anyone else. And so you know, that was, you know, in March and didn't do anything until probably maybe August or something like that. And decided to get on SLS and like start connecting with people, you know, online first and then trying to set up and talk one-on-one, which we found to work better for us. What we found is that we really like to really form a connection with people. What we originally were looking for was trying to find, you know, people who we could do this with on a regular basis. And it didn't work out too well. We couldn't just couldn't really find a couple that we really clicked with that also wanted to do something more than just once. Yeah. Like you were looking for friends with benefits basically yeah. with another couple. Yeah. That's what we were really looking for. And we would find some people who say they were looking for that and we would have a great time with them and it would be a wonderful experience. And then we would almost, you know, wouldn't hear from them again. Sometimes they would respond a little bit and then we would say about, you know, a week or two later, we're like, Hey, so when would you like guys like to get together again? And then we would like hear, Oh, we're really busy. Not sure what we're doing. And then we just wouldn't hear from it again. And so we didn't really like that. 
you know, it wasn't really working well for us. So after a while, we started hearing about something called polyamory and we're like, oh, okay. So you can have feelings too. That sounds really cool. Another good benefit is that, you know, with a, a lot of the times when you're swinging, you need to have like a four-way connection and it's hard to get to find that because sometimes Perla wouldn't like the other guy or maybe I wasn't into the other girl or, you know, on the other side, one of them wasn't into one of us. And so, you know, it was just really hard because, you know, sometimes Pearl would find someone that she would really connect with, but I wouldn't connect with the other person. And sometimes vice versa, like I would connect with someone and, you know, me and the other woman were having a great time, but Pearl is just like, no, I'm just not really into this guy. And so, you know, with Polly, we we thought, okay, doing this separately would probably really work. But then also brought up a lot of feelings of jealousy and, you know, a lot of stuff that we really had to work through. And then also during this time, we like the non-monogamy and the deconstructing Christianity kind of happened simultaneously. So then by this point, you know, we had just, you know, looked into so many of our doubts and just got to the point where we just stopped believing altogether. So we went from extreme fundamentalist to now the point that we're at now is just agnostic. And, you know, so we didn't have the religious hangups as much except for the leftover baggage from that. Yeah, the leftover shame and guilt. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't have any like current, oh, we shouldn't do this because what we believe now is bad, but just the leftover guilt of like, and shame really of just, oh, if I'm doing this, I'm a bad person. And, you know, that was, that was hard. And it's still something that we're, that we're working through. So then with Polly, you know, it was even more of a scary thing for us, you know, to go from being, you know, strictly monogamous to swinging. And then within a short time, you know, considering polyamory, it was, you know, it was a lot to deal with. So, you know, we listened to some more podcasts. We read a lot of books listen to more podcasts, read more books and talked constantly about so many different things. And, you know, so if we do this, what do we want it to look like? You know, how are we going to structure it? You know, what kind of rules or boundaries do we want? Do we want rules? Do we not want rules? You know, that whole dynamic has been changing and is still changing. It's never like a, this is how it, how it is and we're done, but very much a this is how we're doing it for now. And when things stop working, we just change to something else and go forward like that. Yeah. We can't forget the meetups. We start going to poly meetups before we even did anything. Ah, so like after the swing club, you started to go to some poly meetups and meet, just try to meet people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at the beginning of this year, we started, well, last year, beginning of 2019, we started going to some poly meetups uh, they were really good, you know, and we were still like not really sure. So we wanted to, you know, just meet people and see what it was going to be like. So we went up and the funny thing is that there's a bunch of poly meetups in the city, but they're all on like weeknights. We were never able to make any of those. So we went to the ones that were like way up in the North suburbs, like pretty far from us because they were on weekends. And so like now all of our friends, like all live really far from us. <laughs> so the pie meetups were wonderful. There's, you know, there's a couple of them and, you know, some of the same people were at, were at each of them. And then, you know, some obviously were just at 
one or two of them. And so it was great to find, you know, a whole group of people that you know were very consistent and that we could talk to and really get to know and really see what this polyamory really looks like. And it was wonderful. There were some people there who had been doing polyamory for like 15 years or more and have had all different kinds of relationship dynamics and as well as other people who were still fairly new to it. Some people who were, you know, in a monopoly relationship, people who were, you know, solo poly. And it was great getting to meet people just seeing that, you know, polyamorous people are just normal people that deal with normal things. And it's funny how often at many of the meetups we would go for three, four hours and not actually talk about polyamory at all and just everything else beyond it. Right. Right. I mean, and you, so you found a basically support group that showed you how it can look and how it can be done and that what you were hoping to find was out there even if you had to drive to the North suburbs to get it. Well, and something more than podcasts, you're actually yeah. talking to yeah. people and meeting people, which is mm-hmm. a huge yeah. difference from just listening to stories, right? Definitely. As much as listening to stories is helpful, like our current podcast, but, <laughs> <laughs> but meeting people in person, is, it does make a difference. Yeah, definitely. And so how has it evolved down the poly route? And I mean, maybe at some point I would like to circle back and talk about a few things. A yeah. few things, specifically maybe the jealousy, because I could see how that would be a lot harder in the poly side of things. I guess how has it evolved since you started going to the meetups? Like what is what's changed and what's it look like? So we did that, you know, for several months and you know, then we decided to really go ahead and start trying to date. So we decided, okay, now we're gonna start doing this, but then nothing really happened. So then we were still going to poly meetups together and, you know, that was like the extent of it, even though we were now searching and then, you know, getting on like OkCupid and things like that. You know, at first it didn't seem to go hardly anywhere. That was a little like frustrating because, you know, it's hard when you feel like you're trying, but nothing's really happening. Also, it wasn't just a, okay, we're going to do this now. It was like a, okay, I think we're going to do this. Okay, hold on. I'm not sure if we can do this. Okay, let's do it. Actually, you know what? I'm not sure if we can do this. <laughs> and oh it was God. a bit of a back and forth. And it depended depended on the day and how we were feeling and what else was going on. I assume this was you, Chad, being und- indecisive. <laughs> <laughs> it was both of us, actually. It's Pearl is laughing. Yeah, yeah. It was. <laughs> well, what was part of the, I guess, maybe take us through that. What was the on the days it was yeah, yeah, yeah. Versus no, no, no. What was that like? What was going on? Cause that's, I, you're not alone in that. No. So a lot of it was just when we felt like, you know, it's like a lot of things when it's a bright, sunny day out, you know, it's warm weather, everything is going well. Things just seem more wonderful. And you know how, like probably even your own relationship, you probably fight less when other good things are happening in your life. And then when you have more stress in your life, you find yourself fighting more. And it's the same in every relationship. And it was the same with us when, you know, when other things beyond our life were impacting us or other parts of our life were becoming more stressful and more difficult. That's when we would get, you know, more indecisive about Polly. You know, we would kind of like assign those feelings to polyamory, even when they really weren't. It was other things beyond that. So like, during this time, right around that time when we were 
going back and forth, you know, we've always been trying to have good relationships with our families, but that hasn't worked out very well, particularly because when we were leaving Christianity, you know, and even before that, just changing our beliefs, our families didn't really like that and have mostly just stopped talking to us. And so we were losing all of those connections and that support. And also at the time, you know, leaving our church would have been where all of our connections were. And so losing all of those things, you know, naturally made us more afraid of losing each other. Yeah. And so with those things going on and as those feelings would hit us, then we would feel like, no, I've lost everything else. I can't lose you too. I'm not sure about this poly thing. And a lot of times we would assign all the feelings we had to polyamory. But if we were more honest and even sometimes afterwards we talk and say, you know, it really was more like I was feeling this way because of other things. And we just assign those feelings to fear of polyamory. Right. But yeah, you know, one of our biggest fears around it was just losing each other. You know, we, our whole lives had changed in the past few years. And through that, the only people that were still in our lives were each other. You know, everyone who was in our life before was pretty much been gone. You know, we've got new friends now, but the only people that we've had consistently for the past five years was each other. And both of us, you know, our, our parents had split up, not in like a good amicable divorce, but like bitter, nasty, traumatic divorce. So naturally we were just always afraid of losing each other because that's what we saw in our parents, you know, and both of our parents cheated on each other. And it's like her, you know, as we said before, you know, her dad cheated on her mom and in my family, both of my parents cheated on each other numerous times. You know, they should have just, you know, been open or just gotten divorced years before, but they waited too long and it just became horrible. You know, and so that, that kind of just trauma leaves an impact on us. And so we were just afraid that that was what our lives were going to be like that now after losing everyone else and seeing our parents split up now that now we're going to end up splitting up. We just really didn't want that. Mm -hmm. And so when we would fight more or when we would feel more jealous, sometimes we'd say, you know what, we're feeling too jealous. This is a bad idea. I don't want to lose you. So let's just not do this folly thing. But then when we'd work through some more of those feelings and we'd feel like we were more stable, you know, when we would just be fighting less and we would have less stress in our life, then we would just both really like the idea of poly more and really want to do it. And so then later on, you know, in the fall of 2019, you know, we really started, you know, in practice, like really looking and searching for people and started to find some success and start dating. And you were doing this all separately at this point, like we had started dating separately. Yes. And started to actually have some dates and it was wonderful. We experienced no jealousy. There was no problem. It was just wonderful. <laughs> Perla, Perla's nodding viciously. Yeah. <laughs> I disagree. Yeah. So I think that's one of the stuff, the times that when he went on his first date, I lost it. I lost this like, fuck, like he is in my house with somebody. He's finally dating where am I going to be in this picture? How am I, what's going to come after this? Because he was really excited and he was really going for it. And I'm like, okay, I just, because I decided that I was not going to date until 
you know? And so he wanted a date first. So I was like, okay, it's fine. Cause he says that I get more, I get more dates than him because my personality is very outgoing, very like I click with people right away. So I was like, okay, maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. But with him, I was like, this girl is just like me. <laughs> it's like, if you want to date another person, like, I don't know, but it was really, yeah, it's, it's threatening. Yes. It was threatening. It was threatening. Like she wasn't trying to like invade or take him away. It's just like, it was hard to share him. Yeah. And uh, to be honest with you, jealousy and, and trying and feeling threatened comes and goes, you know, there's times that like, Hey, she's part of chat's life. You know, it is a good thing. You know, that means I don't have to <laughs> work harder for him. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, no, but you have someone else to share, like, and you both have other people in your lives that share some of the other outlets. Yeah. Right? Other yeah. have other outlets for yourself. Yes. Yeah. But I didn't see it that way at first. I saw it as a threat. Yeah. Not as a not like someone else is gonna, you know, or his likes, he's very nerdy and I'm not. And so I like to have fun and party. And so I couldn't relate with him sometimes. So it's always good to find people who you can relate and have something in common. Right. Right. And just to clarify, the reason that you were holding off on dating was the, the sort of notion that it's going to take Chad longer. And the day that you decide to do it, you can basically just turn on the fire hose and it won't be that difficult. <laughs> Not necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in general, like, I mean, it, it, is, it, it is, is harder pretty much. I think yeah. it's for me to adjust. Yeah for me to adjust that he's dating. Okay. Because if we both are dating at the same time, I felt that we would have lost each other. But if we he's dating, I'll focus on on getting my jealousy down and seeing how that works out. Okay. And then part of it also is that you know, at different times you know, definitely in the beginning when we were swinging, it was more of I was the guy, she was the break, but then we're moving into poly it became a back and forth of sometimes I was a guest, she was the break, and sometimes she was a guest and I was the break. And it, it varied a lot. And during that time, she was saying, so do you want to go on a date? And I was like, well, I do, but I'm not sure if I'm ready for this. I'm not sure how I would feel. And, you know, I think I would handle the idea of us dating other people well, but I'm now I'm not as sure. And, you know, so that was why part of it, she's like, well, why don't you date first? And then see how it goes. And then I will, you know, it was funny. It's like, I was really afraid of it. And then when I went on that first date, like partway through, I was like, this is amazing. And like, I was enjoying myself and having a good time. I was also thinking like, this is great. This is wonderful. Perla should do this too. I'm gonna text her as soon as I get home and be like, yeah, you should start dating too. This is great. And then at the end of that date, we hit it off pretty well. And then we saw each other again. And Perla met her and things were going pretty well, but then the relationship just didn't go anywhere. Then neither of us did anything for a while again. And then, you know, a couple months later, I started dating more and going on some more dates. And then Perla had met someone and she really wanted to date. And she's like, but you know, I'm not sure how you handle that. And I was like, well, if you want to date them, just go ahead and date them. You know, I'm not sure how I feel yet, but just go ahead and do it. And 
I'll figure it out. I'll deal with it somehow. And that was, you know, the plan. And it seemed like things were going to go well until that first date actually happened. I thought we planned it out pretty well. And we had talked through a bunch of things. You know, that first date she went on, I was supposed to be going on a date. I had scheduled my date earlier and Pearl had scheduled hers later. That first date I went on was, you know, it was okay, but it didn't, it didn't really go anywhere. So it ended, it ended fairly quickly, but Pearl's date was going really well. So they went back to our place. And so, you know, now I was, you know, I didn't plan very well. And so I figured, oh, okay, they're going back to our place. They've been there for a little bit. At this time, Pearl was working an early schedule. So she was getting up really early and going to bed pretty early. So I was like, oh, okay, there'll be another few minutes. By the time I get home, they'll probably be pretty much done, you know, but they weren't. And so I was just kind of like driving around and then sitting around and just, you know, waiting, just trying to wait, (laughs) just assuming that, oh, it's going to be just a few more minutes. It's going to be a few more minutes. But I also didn't want to be like, hey, can you end this now? I want to come home. I didn't want to break up their date or ruin their time. You know, I want to be, you know, considerate of them. And so I'm sitting in the car trying to distract myself, but just not handling it well. And the jealousy is coming up and the fear is coming up and all these things are coming up and I'm trying to keep it together and I'm not doing a good job. And the later it goes, the worse it gets. And I'm a very, you know, very calm person. I don't really get angry at all like ever. And when I came inside finally after, after they were done, you know, they had done, they had already left. And then I came in and like, I'm just like boiling with anger, but trying not to say anything. Cause I didn't want to ruin. Like I was like, she's had a great date. I don't want to ruin it. I don't want to ruin her good time. I'll talk about this later. And I'm trying to hold it all in. And she just looked at me. She's like, you're not okay. Are you? And I'm like, no, I'm not. And you know, but then we talked about it and the part of what, what bothered me was that, you know, like I said, during this time, she was working early shifts. I was working late shifts. So when I would, you know, get done, I would want to, you know, hang out and talk with her, but she would be tired and ready to go to bed. Like almost as soon as she came home from work. And, you know, so I would just feel like, Oh, it didn't bother me as much. Cause I figured, okay, she needs her sleep. She's tired. And then, you know, she was staying up really, really late with this other person. That was what bothered me the most of the time. Was I was like, wait a minute, you're always tired when I want to hang out with you. But when someone else does, you're staying up so many hours later than you normally do. And that was what, what was bothering me the most was feeling that I was feeling like I wasn't important and I wasn't valuable. But then after we talked about it, you know, I was thinking that she had to work the next day, but she didn't. And there's a few other things that I thought were going to happen and were happening and that weren't. And after we talked about it, not that like everything all of a sudden was just perfectly fine, but it really helped me to, you know, as we talked through and talked through that jealousy and those feelings, it was really helpful for me to be able to just understand her and what's going on and, and figure out myself, like what my feelings really were, why I was really angry and that it was just feeling that she wanted someone else and did not want me. And, but she was able to reassure me like, no, I still want you. And what she explained it, it was, I was able to understand, you know, her reasons and her feelings and, you know, we worked through it, you know, we're much better off because of it, you know, through that experience and experiences like it, 
we really had a lot of really hard conversations, but they've also been really wonderful conversations. We've learned so much more about ourselves and about each other. And, you know, our relationship has gotten even stronger through it. Yeah. I think that's what's been really good for us. The hard conversations Not a lot of people want to have the hard conversations, but it has helped us a lot. It has helped us overcome our obstacles. Definitely. Something that I've heard on, I think it was a guest on your podcast said that, you know, polyamory, it forces you to confront your issues. And it, it really does. You know, when, when you're just monogamous, you know, it's really easy to, to kind of hide your, your issues and, you know, avoid them. But polyamory really makes you face them. You know, still like for myself, we're both very codependent on each other. And so polyamory forces to be more independent and to think more independently and, you know, and so like for myself, I'm always wanting to, you know, like be a people pleaser and just do what everyone else wants. And in monogamy, that's fine. You know, I can just do whatever Perla wants and it's fine. But then in polyamory, I can't do what two people want at the same time. And, you know, it's forced me to realize that I have to also take care of myself. Right. And that my own well-being is important too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Perla, you mentioned at one point that you've been working through jealousy with a therapist too. And so I'm assuming, are you both working with therapists? Has that been something that's been helpful to both of you? Yes. Yeah. So I've been working with, I've been seeing a therapist for a few months now. I forget how many. And then Pearl started a little bit before me. I think I started in like November or something. Pearl, I think started in September. Mm-hmm. And it's been wonderful. You know, we've been going every week, you know, to our individual therapists and sometimes seeing each other's therapists with each other and things like that. And I can't say it's been wonderful. I mean, and not at first, it's been a lot of work. Right, a right. A lot, a lot of work. And on top of that, I'm a regular therapist. I decided to do a CBT. What does it go for? Cognitive behavioral therapy. There you go. <laughs> okay, yeah. So that has helped me to work my jealousy out and my anger because for being jealous, I act out angry. Right. And that's what I'm not proud of either, but I've been really good about that. Yeah. Well, it sounds like, I mean, really proud of myself. Yeah. It's like, it sounds like it has been hard and extreme, like just extremely difficult, but you want to put in that effort, both of you, it sounds like, because you want to be in a better place. You want to work through these things. And I just think that something to be very proud of that you're willing to do that work. Yeah. Yeah. For me, therapy has been amazing. You know, we both kind of known that we should go to therapy for a while, but it was polyamory that really forced us to do it. And because as these conversations were happening, you know, sometimes things were going better, but sometimes things were going worse and part of it is that, you know, we both experienced depression. My therapist has been treating me for major depressive disorder and generalized anxiety disorder. And shortly before I went to therapy, I mean, for years, I've struggled with depression and struggled with thoughts of suicide. And that's been, you know, ever since I was a teenager, really. And when my dad died, like ever since then, I've been, you know, had thoughts of suicide. And, you know, as we gauge more polyamory that, you know, those feelings actually started to get stronger. I started to get even more depressed sometimes and started to really, you know, experience that depression more and more and started thinking about suicide more and more often, you know, and 
I didn't want to be that way anymore. I wanted to change. I wanted to get better and I wanted to get help. And so I went to therapy and most of the issues that we have in regards to polyamory really aren't polyamory issues. They're just our own personal issues. You know, most of it isn't like poly specific issues. It's just poly has forced us to confront our other issues. Mm-hmm. You know, why is it that, you know, I'm depressed? Why is it that I want to kill myself all the time? And it's because of a bunch of other issues that don't really have anything to do with poly, but those, but talking about poly has been, had been bringing up those feelings and making me feel them more. And so therapy has really helped me to get through that and to understand that more and to work through that. And now coming through on the other side, we've, you know, we've been feeling so much better and, you know, still in therapy and still going through things, but it's been, it's been making a huge difference now. Now when I have, you know, jealousy come up or other feelings come up instead of just sitting in those and just feeling worse and worse and worse. Now I can go to therapy and talk through them. And it's been wonderful because we've still, you know, so we've been in poly for a little while now and we're both dating several people and it's been rough sometimes. And it's been rough for both of us at different, at different points. And we've had a lot of things happen that have really, you know, brought up a lot of anger and brought up a lot of feelings and we've been working through them separately, but also, I mean, like just together on with each other, but also now we can go to our therapist and talk through them. And it's been wonderful to be able to talk to someone about the things that I'm feeling and to have someone, you know, just listen who I can just be completely honest with, who doesn't know anyone in my life. I don't have to worry about impressing them or worry about them judging me because I'm not going to see them anywhere else except in therapy. They don't know anyone that I know. They're not going to tell anyone what I say. I can just lay it all out and this person can just listen and help me through it and then help me to work through those feelings and figure out what's beneath it and work on change. Mm-hmm. And it's been wonderful. Even just in the fairly short time I've been, I've been in therapy, I've made so many breakthroughs and made so much progress. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that and for being vulnerable and sharing everything that you have. Um, it's not easy. And you know, I was going to ask, I think you kind of answered this question already, but I was going to ask that people, you know, looking from the outside would be, some people would say, well, it seems like polyamory is causing all of these issues in your, in your relationship. Why don't you just get rid of that and everything will be fixed. And it's your point is, well, no, like we had all these issues anyway. They just were not like polyamory is forcing them to come to the surface a little bit more and we need to work through them. And no matter what your relationship dynamic turns into over time, you know, who knows, it might change again, but you want to, as hard as it is, you want to confront those issues because you know, ultimately that that'll make you better people and hopefully happier people. Oh, definitely. We are, we're way happier now than we were a year ago. And exactly, like most people would probably say, oh, poly is your issue. You should just stop doing that. And it's like, yeah, we probably fight less, but those issues are still there. You know, we still had fights, big fights before we were poly. And so they were still going to happen. And all of those issues were still there. And so it's been helpful for us to work through them because, you know, even before we started this, we fought a lot before and 
there were a lot of times when we weren't sure how long our relationship was really going to last. And that was really scary. And so Polly has really helped us force us to confront our issues and it's helped us to be better individuals and to be better together as a couple in our relationship. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think maybe a question, if I was a skeptical listener, (laughs) this is not from my point of view or my voice, but that you've said this, we're stronger, we're happier, everything is going better. We moved out two months ago. And we're, separately. we're we're living separately now. <laughs> and I'm just curious if you could talk a little bit about that, because I could see somebody using that uh, against you guys as a case for why this isn't working. Yeah, it's always funny when we tell people that we don't live together anymore, because the first reaction is like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. And it's like, no, we're not broken up. We're still together. So something that I learned on another podcast the multi-amory one with Jace, Emily, and Dedeker. Yeah. They they reference the Gottman Institute a lot. And something that the Gottman Institute has said is that a lot of couples have problems that never have a solution. Like they fight about the same things and those things just never can be resolved. And so for us, what we found is that a majority of our fights were about things related to living together. They weren't like, about a relationship. We not not to say that we didn't have relationship issues also, but a lot of our fights, a lot of our, you know, a lot of our nitpicking, a lot of our like, you know, things that really got on each on each other's nerves about was things related to just living together, you know. And we're not great roommates. And so we're wonderful together. We love each other. We're crazy about each other. We just don't do well when we're living together. We both have our own ways of how we want to live and they're not the same. So we decided that for a while, we're going to try living separately. See how it goes. And see how it goes. And so we're going to try it for a year. And even that part was really scary because it felt like we were separating and, you know, it was scary and forced us to also confront some fears. And it's also helped us to really be more independent because we really, we became codependent to an unhealthy level and through polyamory, we've been trying to unravel that, but it's also really hard when we share the same space. So living separately has been helping us and it's been helping us to be more independent and we're still together. We still see each other all the time. You know, we didn't pick a great time for it. So I, <laughs> yeah, I, was gonna say. <laughs> I moved out on March 1st. So yeah, this is obviously right before. Well, who would have seen a global um, pandemic coming like, right? <laughs> Yeah. So it wasn't great timing. And when we were preparing for it, it was a lot of talking. And at first I was thinking it was going to be a little hard, but really good. But then when I first moved out, like those first couple of nights, it was really, really hard. Like both because, you know, of not living with Perla and also because where we lived, you know, we'd lived there for like four years, four years or more. And so it would been my home and I liked living. I mean, I was very comfortable. I'm a very home, I'm a homebody. I like being in my home. I don't like going out other places too much, except for when we go see people. But like, other than that, I just like being at home. And now I was just not at home because I was somewhere else. Yeah. You were, you had to make a new home. And that part was really hard. And then, you know, but 
you know, we got through it and, you know, we still, it wasn't like a, like a contentious separation. You know, we, we worked together through the whole thing. You know, she helped me move and get settled in and, you know, we worked through, you know, through all that stuff together. And, you know, that first week or so we stayed, you know, we flip-flopped staying at each other's houses to, you know, kind of ease the transition. And then, you know, everything was going okay. And then, you know, we went into like full lockdown. Now we can't see anyone else. And then we feel very alone and isolated. So we started just spending the whole weekends together. And then this week, you know, Pearl has been staying with me all week. And it's been really good and interesting because it's helping me to be more comfortable in my new place. And we still get to spend a lot of time together. But it's still very much, you know, I have my place, she has her place. And even with spending a lot of time together because we're not living, living together, it's been helping us. Cause like, if she doesn't like the way that I keep something in my house, that's fine. It's my place. <laughs> she doesn't have to worry about it. When I go over to her place <laughs> and I see the way get out of here. she does things in her house, <laughs> I don't have to get frustrated by it because it's not my place. It's her place. Yeah. Awesome. Well, and thank you for sharing that. And I mean, honestly, for sharing everything, you guys have shared a lot. And I was, I would say it was kind of funny when you're like, I'm an introvert. I don't like to talk a lot. And then you've done most of the talking and Pearl has been, you've kept her under wraps. So we <laughs> maybe wanted to give her a I chance. I think she was a little nervous. I, I, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> but give her the, give you both the chance to maybe share any final thoughts that you wanted to get out there. Yeah. If you, I do want like. to say, the reason that we also move, we had our own places is because so we can have the freedom of having a date and having whoever we want and not waiting for someone to finish your date and not, you know, having that privacy for us. Privacy is very important, like having our own space and also like not being controlling, like, Oh, I don't like the way you do stuff. This yeah, the way you come home and, and stuff like that. But yeah, that's one of the reasons as well that we moved out. Not because we can't live without each other. Not because we are tired of each other. So. Right. Right. You wanted to see too, if I think this experiment of living apart adds and makes your relationship stronger. Correct. And I've been so codependent with them because this is the way I grew up. I felt scared. I felt scared that I can't live on my own. I can't support myself. That's pretty much it. Like that's been my, my thing for me, but I've noticed that I have been taking it so well that I was like, I don't think I want to live. <laughs> I don't think I want to have any roommates anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Like you love just having your own space. <laughs> Definitely. I didn't think I would, but I do like it. Yeah. And we have talked to other people that are in long-term relationships and they say like one thing, we will never live together. Like I, there's our relationship works so much better with us not living together. Yeah. So there's definitely for some people, there's something to that for sure. Yeah. Well, any final thoughts that you would like to share with us? I know we've, we've covered a lot of, a lot of, we could dig into so yeah. many things, but yeah. on the, in the interest of this, not being like a three hour podcast, <laughs> we thought we'd wrap it up here, but if there's anything else you'd like to share, please do. Yeah. I'm not thinking of anything else um, <laughs> other than everyone should go to therapy. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have a very strong case for that. And that's amazing. It's yeah. We, I would also encourage people don't hesitate to reach out for help. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, thank you both for everything. And we're excited to hear that everything is going really, really well for you both. And that it's, despite the pandemic, despite the pandemic <laughs> and through all the adversity that you've come through. So it's, it's exciting to see. And, and we're happy we got to meet you two out out in New York City. So yeah. Yeah, yeah it was great to see you guys too. And thank you for wanting to come on the show. Sure. Thank you for having us. Oh no, absolutely. It's our pleasure. So have a wonderful Saturday afternoon and yeah, we'll be in touch. All right. Okay. Bye. And, and we're, we're back. back. Oh nice timing. Nailed it. High five. <laughs> That's gonna be real loud. Nah. Thank you, Chad and Perla, for reaching out, coming on the show, coming to our meet and greet last fall, meeting us in person. Yeah. Jeez. You're awesome. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, it, again, I hope everybody felt that that was an incredible interview. I know we did, and we're really grateful that, that you guys came on and shared it. And we have a fun interview next week. We do. Mel and Carson. People were worried. They were like, oh, this is it. This is the end. <laughs> I know. No, we have one next Wednesday. Yep. Mel and Carson, again, awesome people and a great story. Real quick before we let you go, we just wanted to remind everybody that we have a new sponsorship, Alt Playground, and to go check out how inclusive and badass they are making the online dating world. Our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, has links to take you over there, and we urge you to go check it out. You could also sign up for our next virtual meet and greet on June 25th on our website. Well, you can sign up now, but the meet and greet is on June 25th. Yeah, that's what I meant. Okay. <laughs> Normalizingnonmonogamy.com, just in case we didn't say it enough. We said it too many times. Okay. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening.